Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, thanks, Graham. Uh, thanks, Sam and Kristen, for leading us too in this service. Uh, so good to be with you here on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there who are watching. I hope you have a great day. You know, as dads, uh, whether you realise it or not, you have the power to just shape the next generation far more than we would even know. We have, the, have that capacity to uh, give the next generation courage, to show them compassion and what it means to be compassionate and also to build into the next generation character, which is something that's so important uh, in our world today. I'm so proud of my daughter uh, this week uh, on the footpath outside where we live. She wrote a little message in chalk to all the dads was the message. And then there was an arrow pointing into our driveway and on the driveway was this picture. Happy Father's Day. She did that with chalk and uh, that was there since Wednesday and then it rained on Friday night. Uh, washed it away for Father's Day, but I uh, just wanna say so proud of her and the person she's becoming. And also uh, just wishing you all a happy Father's Day from our family. From time to time, I catch up with a young man called Alistair. Uh, I was at a shop oh, a while ago with him and um, we, were, we were having a coffee together and I noticed that Alistair is so popular and famous and such a good role model that, that they made a little statue of him. And so I noticed in the corner of my eye at this particular cafe something that Alistair had never seen, something that I'd never seen until that day and this is the picture. How cool is that? It's just like, you know, mini, mini Alistair. And, uh, you know, he, he's just such a good influencer on others that he didn't even know it, but they've made a little statue of you, Alistair, and it's just so good uh, what, what that's about. But, you know, Alistair is, he works in the security industry. And this week I went to Bunnings, and can you believe that Bunnings now have security officers? And there's obvious reasons why, but security is a big industry these days. You've got internet security, financial security, border security. Um, there's all sorts of security and we in our own houses and homes, you wanna make sure that it's secure. But I wanna ask a question this morning and that is how good would it be if every person living in Australia could live with spiritual security? The security of being solid in their relationship with God, that security of being in the Father's love. And so that's what I want to talk to us briefly about this morning. And I want us to share how we can live secure in the Father's love. And I'm going to look today at the book of Romans. And we're going to have a look at chapter 8 and a few verses in there. So Romans chapter 8, 27 to 32. If you want to follow along, feel free to do that. Paul says this, The Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? 
If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? You know, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what your relationship has been with your own dad, I want us to look today at three things that can come against us living securely in God's love. Uh, these, these three things, we can face these pretty much every day of our life. And if we're not careful, these three, these three things can undermine and steal away from us uh, what it means to live securely in the Father's love. They could drive a wedge between you and God if you allow them to. And uh, I just want us to realize today that God has immense love for each and every one of us, that he cares for us. And we want to look at what God's answer is to these things that can come against us and his love. And the first one is this. There are, there are some charges against us. What's a charge? A charge is a, a statement that attacks and undermines who we are. This is a, a statement that, that, that deals with our identity. It, it undermines and attacks our very identity. And here's, here's the truth about your identity. You are a loved, chosen, treasured, called child of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. Your identity is this, that you are loved, treasured, chosen, called, valued child of God. How good is that? And how good it is that we remind ourselves that that's who we are, that that's our primary identity as people. You know, God is for you. He's not against you. God loves you and he gave us his very own son, Jesus, to demonstrate his amazing love for us. Now, in ancient Rome, many years ago, the identity and value of a person was very much tied up with whether or not they were a citizen of Rome. Uh, if they're a citizen of Rome, well, then you've got value. Or it was connected to people's military might or political persuasive power or maybe also their, their physical strength. And so people's identity was very much connected to that. And so when Paul writes to the Christians at Rome in this culture that, that valued uh, people's identity based on all sorts of other things other than what God says, he asks the question. And the question is this, who dares accuse those whom God has chosen for his own? That's his question. So I want to ask, where do these statements that accuse us and undermine and attack who we are, where do they come from? Well, there's two primary sources. One of those sources is ourself. Negative self-talk. Um, stuff that says like this, you know, I'm hopeless. I'm useless. I'm worthless. I don't have anything to, to offer. I, I, I'm not smart. I'm not good enough. I can't do anything very well. I'm not gifted. And so negative self-talk is one of the things that can, that can cause a, a drive a wedge between us living securely in the love of the Father. The other place the statements that accuse and attack and undermine who our identity really is can come also from others. A very broad example is this, that human beings are an advanced form of pond scum. That's a very broad example of our definition of who we really are. Or another one could be, it's survival of the fittest in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. 
and that's another one that it can attack. Or there might be some other examples, and I don't know, some of you may have heard these statements said to you by a significant person in your life. Something like, you're stupid. I wish I never had you. You'll never amount to anything. Nothing good will ever come from you. And these are statements that come from others and they can undermine and, and cause us to recognise and think that we are not loved and we're not secure then in the Father's love. Some of us have heard statements like, you're a disappointment, you're a failure, you're not good enough and you're a waste of space. And some people have actually heard that said to them. Many years ago, I heard about a Sydney banker who, spent, who, hadn't, who, who hadn't spent a lot of time with his son in a long time. And when his son was in his 20s, this, this uh, merchant banker spent a whole day with him. And uh, the merchant banker wrote in his journal at the end of each day. And then years later, when the merchant banker passed away, the son, who longed for a good relationship with his dad, went and found his dad's journal. And he went back to that very day that he'd spent that day with his dad and sadly what was written in the merchant banker's journal were these words spent my day with my son complete waste of a day can you imagine what that would have done to that young man in his relationship with his dad not not a good news story but i want to say to you that's that's reality for many people and what i want us to do today is recognize that, these, that God has an answer. And here's the good news for God's answer to the charges and accusations that undermine living securely. It's found in Romans 8, verse 33. This is God's answer. No one, no one dare accuse those whom God has chosen for his own. God himself has given us right standing with himself. How good is that? You see, on our own, we aren't right with God, but because of Jesus, because of what he's done, he has died on the cross for us. He's removed all the guilt, all the shame, and we are made right with God through what Jesus has done. You see, here's the truth about you and the truth about me. I am not who others say I am, and I am not who even I say I am. I am who God says I am. And the same is true for you. You are not who others say you are. You are not even who you say you are. You are who God says you are. And you are loved. You are chosen. You are treasured. You are valued. You are called by God and you are his child. And he loves you. And he is a loving heavenly father who loves to give good gifts to you, one of his children. He loves you. He's for you. What else tries to stop us living securely? Well, the second thing is it's condemnation about us. These are statements that undermine and attack what we do. Question Paul asks in Romans 8, 34, he says, who then can condemn us? He asks that question. You see, there's a reality of life for each and every one of us. You can't please everyone all the time. And you and I both know that we can't please everyone. We're flat out even pleasing ourselves. But we can't keep everyone happy. And here's the other thing. We will receive in our life condemnation from others, criticism from others. And here's the thing. It's really important that when criticism comes your way that you look for the kernel of truth that may be in that criticism. There may be something that you can learn 
from that condemnation or from that criticism. Look for the kernel of truth. Don't, maybe don't take it all, all on board. But here's what I want us to see today. The good news is this. God knows your heart. The reading we said earlier, the Father knows your heart. The Father knows all of our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows our methods. He knows our message. He knows our mandate. He knows everything about us, but he knows our heart. And that's a good thing because if there's anyone that I want to know my heart, I'm happy for it to be God and God alone because God is full of truth, but he's also full of grace. And so when it comes to knowing our heart, one of the things that we need to be secure in is these, you know, recognizing that statements that attack and undermine what we do, there is an answer and God provides the answer for us. And it's not even about what we do. Let's have a look at what, how God gives us security. God's answer to this is found in Romans 8.34. He says, no one, no one can dare condemn us for Christ Jesus died for us and he was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand, pleading for us. You know what the good news is? Jesus is alive right now. He's not dead. He's alive. He's right at the Father's side. He's in God's ear. And right now he is pleading and praying for you. How good is that? And what Jesus has done by dying for us and rising again, he has removed all condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who have faith in Jesus. How good is that? Now, there's a third thing that can undermine us and uh, come against us living securely, and that's this. It's the circumstances around us. It's suffering that might distract us from the one who truly loves us. Now, here's the reality. We don't have to look very far, do we, to see suffering happening in our world. We don't have to look very far in our own city to see that many are suffering right now. There are people who are suffering heavily financially. There are people who are suffering um, relationally. There are many people today suffering mentally with mental thoughts and, and negative thinking. There are many people suffering emotionally today. Many, many people suffering is throughout our world today. And there is disease, there is poverty, there is cancer, there is terror. There's all kinds of suffering going on in our world today. But what are we going to do with that? And how do we respond to that? Because sometimes when it comes to suffering, people will go, if God, people ask this question, if God is so loving, why does he allow so much suffering? It's a question that people ask all the time. If God is so loving, why does he allow so much suffering? Well, Paul asks a question as well. Romans 8.35, he actually says this. He says, can, can anything ever separate us from the love of Christ? Um, does it mean that God no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or we're hungry or destitute or, or in danger or even threatened with death? Does it mean that God loves us any less? One of the things that has helped me recognize this question, how to answer the question, if God is so loving, why does he allow suffering? You see, it's actually the wrong question. Because the question is, 
God is so loving that he actually suffered for us. God is a God of suffering. God has experienced suffering. God knows what it's like to suffer. See, here's God's answer. Romans 8.37 says this. No, despite all of these things, the overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You see, when suffering tries to distract us from the one who truly loves us, what we have to do, instead of looking at the suffering, look at the God who suffers. Look at the God himself who suffered because God is a father who loves us and suffered for us. Can you just, just for a minute, let's just consider some of the suffering that God has endured. Just, we're just going to have a tiny look at the suffering that he's endured. Look to Jesus. Betrayed? Because Jesus is God in the flesh. He's God with skin on. He, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was betrayed. He was denied. He was abandoned by his friends. He was isolated from his friends. Then uh, the political leaders of the day and the religious leaders of the day said, let's crucify him. So they stripped him. They whipped him. They beat him. They spat upon him. His body was bruised and bloodied. And then they strung him up on a cross. And from that cross, Jesus cried out, a, a prayer of agony. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If ever you wondered whether or not you're loved, all we've got to do is look to Jesus. And if ever you've wondered whether or not God, with all the suffering that's going on in our world today, whether or not God loves you, you don't look at the suffering we need to look to the God who suffered for us because he loves us and he's, he, he, he understands our suffering and the suffering that we go through here on earth is really not compared to the amazing suffering that the creator of the world went through in love for us. He loves us. Our heavenly father loves us so much that he gave his son, gave his son who died and rise again. Look, my prayer for you today is that you wouldn't let statements or accusations or condemnation or charges or circumstances dislodge you from living securely in the love of the Father. No matter what's going on in your world today or in your life today, you can remember this and realize this and live in this truth. Live securely in the Father's love because he's got your back. He's for you. And he loves you. And every week we celebrate this communion. Why do we do this? Because remember that our God is a God who suffered. Our God is a God who had accusations and condemnation all against him. And yet he came through it. He rose from the dead. Jesus rose. So we have hope. We have victory. We can make it. We can live securely because God has got our back. Are you part of the family and had it on your heart to get more involved at Northside, but you're not sure where to start? Well, we'd love to help. Send us an email at iwanttoserve at northsidechurch.org.au today.